Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it. Is the girl you wish hadn't, you hadn't started a conversation with at a party? <laughs> for that. Uh, this is one of my favorite SNL bits that I have ever seen. This is from Weekend Update with Seth Meyers. It's super old, like 2012, super old. Um, and Cecily Strong plays this incredible character of the girl you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party. And you can see why you wish you hadn't started a conversation with her. There are a lot of reasons. She thinks she knows a lot when in actuality she doesn't really know very much. She's pretty judgmental. She's not very empathetic. She's not a good listener. She's really excited about her own opinion. And uh, she's just the girl that you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party. Uh, She thinks she just knows it all. And tonight, I know this is going to seem like a rough transition, but follow me on this. We're talking about peace. Now, what does the girl uh, that you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at the party have to do with peace? Well, peace is something that all of us look for, something that all of us seek in our lives uh, to to feel like we're stress-free, to feel like there's no problems, to feel like we can just kind of like just take a deep breath and like feel the stress uh, leave our bodies, leave our situations, leave our lives, leave our places of work, leave our stressful conversations, just feel like we are at peace. 
And there's a lot of ways where we try to hang on to peace and make sure that peace is in our life. And one of the ways that we make sure that peace is in our life is by trying to make sure that we know a lot of things. Because if we know things, we'll be able to think right things and we'll be able to have some peace because we know that we're right or we know that we're okay or we know that we know enough about a situation to get ourselves into or out of it. There's all sorts of ways that we try to have peace in our lives. And so I wonder for you, what brings you peace? Is it similar to the, I hope not, right, to the extent of the girl that you wish you hadn't had a conversation with at the party, but, but how do you try to hang on to peace in your life? Is it by knowing a lot of things? Is it by voting for a certain party because you know that voting this way will bring peace finally, which I've never actually seen a vote uh, swing in a direction of peace. People always just feel divided. And that's another uh, conversation for, no- for another time, right? But does voting the right way feel like that brings you peace? Is it like right theology? Like if I think the right thoughts about God or I read the Bible the right way that somehow I'll have peace. There's all sorts of different ways that we try to access peace and keep peace in our lives. And so I wonder what that's like for you. Uh, the last couple of years have been quite chaotic, right? And so there's, uh, there's a lot of people in our world right now looking for peace and a lot of young adults like so many of you who see yourselves as future leaders or who are leading now and wondering, what in the world is my life going to be like in five years or in three years or in six months? How am I going to lead my life or other people into the path of peace that's going to make this world be a better place? And so we're going to be talking about that tonight. Uh, what are the things that bring us peace? So I want to talk for a little bit about substitutes for peace. There's a lot of things that we hang on to and hang our hat on that we think will bring us peace, but they actually are not bringers of peace because they masquerade as something that will provide you with safety and security and an absence of chaos. And so we're going to talk about those. And uh, I just want to say, before we talk about these things that are substitutes for peace, we have a really special guest who's going to be coming up here tonight. And so I want you to be listening as we talk about these substitutes for peace. Uh, Think about where you see these things in your own life. And I also think you'll begin to see some of these substitutes for peace in Jen's story in some ways um, as you listen to what she has to share tonight. So some of the things that substitute for peace are uh, striving for acceptance. If I'm accepted here, if people like me, then I'll be okay. I see several heads nodding. Yeah, I am one of them, right? Like sometimes I just get so caught up in wondering or feeling like if people enjoy my presence, if people feel goodwill towards me, if people want me around, if I'm accepted, then I'm going to be okay, that I will have peace. Turns out that that just is a breeding ground for like needing more acceptance. So lessons learned there. But so often we strive for acceptance as a way to feel or access peace. Or maybe it's a control sort of thing that I'll be okay if I can make sure that this situation or this relationship or this job thing or whatever fits in this box and I can control it because if I can control it, then I'll just feel like I have peace. And then we all run around just trying to control everything (laughs) and that doesn't really get us any closer to peace. I don't know if you've noticed, right? Uh, Or then avoiding healing. So often, it sounds counterintuitive, but we avoid healing because looking at the things that are wounds in our lives or the things that are just yucky or gross or uh, make life difficult, like that is going to be 
the opposite of peace if I look at those things. That's going to be the opposite of peace if I dig in to the things in my life that are actually gaping wounds. But avoiding healing doesn't guide us into peace. It just makes us ostriches with our heads in the sand and prolongs that healing and makes our situations a lot worse. And then similar but different, a victim mentality. It's not my problem that I don't have peace. It's everybody else's problem. It's this person's. It's that person's. It's the guy who cut me off in traffic. That's me. <laughs> it's, the, it's my boss. It's my sibling. It's this dog that won't stop barking. It's just all his fault. It's not my fault that I don't like feed him very, whatever, right? Like there's all of these people um, that we are around all the time. And sometimes it's us that cling to this idea of I'm just a victim of this situation. There's nothing, I have no responsibility. I just need to separate myself from all of these things and then my life will somehow have peace. I also just wanted to say that being a young adult today (laughs) means that you're going to have a lack of peace. Like we're living through, I saw a funny meme the other day and it hit me hard. It was, we're living through the third once in a lifetime recession. And I was like, ouch, like that just hurts so much. Uh, A once in a lifetime thing happening three times in my young adult life. It's, It's a difficult world at the moment. There's a lot of chaos and a lot of a lack of peace almost everywhere you look. And then uh, several of my friends and coworkers who are in the mental health field sum a lot of this up and kind of catch a lot of other uh, categories by talking about the three O's, others, outcomes, and old stuff. Worrying about these things generally guide us into the path of anxiety and depression, trying to control other people or manage other people's um, ideas of who we are or what they've got going on, managing outcomes that are completely outside of our control, or just old stuff, like digging stuff up from the past that has been dealt with, has been healed from, and bringing all of that back up. And so those are some of the things that keep us from accessing peace um, or our substitutes for this peace that we think that we, uh, that we can bring our own way. And so with that, I'm going to invite Jen on up. Jen, come on up. Everybody give Jen a warm welcome. <laughs> so Jen is on staff with me here at Hope. I first met Jen when I came on staff and you were in the missions department, I think, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. And now what do you do here at Hope? I am the director of creative arts, and um, nothing says art like dirty fingers. But I washed my hands like 15 times today, but I'm practicing on a few things for VBS, so forgive me. Yay. Yeah. So what do you do as the creative <laughs> arts director here at Hope? What okay, does that mean? So, well, some of my big tasks are I plan art classes, I teach art classes, I teach Bible classes. Um, I partner with other ministries, such as yours, to give people a better understanding of um, what they're learning about, uh, in particular that evening or whatever it is. But um, I also do the galleries, so all the pictures you see in here. I'm in charge of the live art at all of the big events that we have. Um, VBS crafts from beginning to end. Um, Ooh. Yeah, Taste of Hope. I have a big thing going on there. So, um, and it's just me in the ministry by myself. So, if you're ever interested and if you have an art background, hit me up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you still have the like uh, thread bracelets that we made at Revive with the charms on them? Okay, I know a couple of you do. Yes, awesome. The Jen is who I emailed the day before and I was like no it's the day of yeah, and you were okay. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was 100% the day of it I was panicked. totally the day of and she was like hey can you help me do this and I was like yes here try this and then right as you were walking out I was like oh and these two 
So yes, the it just little like out. the cross charms were an afterthought, and I think they're the coolest part actually. So it's fun how God works. Yay! So Jen, you are here because I have known bits and pieces of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to know a little bit more about your story through an Instagram post that Hope. Uh, posted recently about your alpha story. So maybe some people saw that, but uh, your story is long and winding and has some ups and downs. And I'm wondering if you can just kind of begin to unpack some of that for us and how you got here to hope. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, um, I'm a little bit, I've aged out of your group here. So I apologize if I'm um, (laughs) intruding on your space, but uh, (laughs) my wisdom, wisdom. (laughs) right? Right. Um, so I, my story starts, uh, basically I, you know, I grew up in a very small town. My parents divorced when I was young. Um, my dad was an alcoholic growing up all my life. He was an alcoholic. And so, um, he left when I was two and, um, I had a very chaotic childhood. My mom Um, I I really don't feel like she had an opportunity to have a teenage life of her own and go out and do the regular teenage thing, like party and do, you know, whatever. Whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so she felt like she had to make up for that um, after she had us kids. And so she would bring us in around situations that you should never bring kids in. She would... Um, introduce us to people that we shouldn't be introduced to. She would just put us in really awkward situations. And it was very, very chaotic because we moved a lot. And so I think I moved seven times in eight years, I think. So, I mean, we moved a lot. And that was just kind of her, her thing. She just avoided her problems by moving to the next town. And so... We would build up bills. We would move to the next town. And so um, when I turned 14, my mom actually um, told me that she was going on vacation, and she actually left with my brother and sister and never came back. And so that was a big thing for me. So I ended up living with my grandparents um, from then on, which I'm very thankful for because uh, I should preface all of this by saying, I didn't know Jesus at all growing up. I didn't know who he was, never encountered him, no clue. So when I turned 14, when I lived with my grandparents, they were very strict, and um, they took me to church every Sunday. We lived across the street from the church, so if we weren't there, everyone would know. And so I had to go. And um, I went through high school. That was the most stability I'd ever had. Um, So I'm very thankful to them for that. but, uh, yeah, that's, I, so that's high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, after high school, I moved to, um, to Des Moines, and I went to um, college and graduated college, first person in my family to do that, so it was great. Um, but I was not fulfilled. I was so used to that chaotic lifestyle that I had growing up and all of the traumas that came with it. And um, yeah, I just, I, I don't even know where to, yeah. to go from here. But um, so yes, I, I continued drinking. 
I was going to say. Binge drinking. Yes. Mm -hmm. Talk about that, but then also continue to talk about the chaos that then you created in your life. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. So binge drinking, I, I then met my first husband who um, was just a normal person, normal upbringing, but is anyone really normal? And I don't think... That's, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, but he was as normal as they came, you know, two-parent household, very stable growing up, which is far different than what I was used to. So what I would do was I would create chaos because that's all that I knew and it felt like home to me. So I would binge drink on the weekends and I would find my peace, my supposed peace, at the bottom of a bottle. And... As you guys know, if you've ever been in that situation, you know that that's not really the most appropriate place to go. So um, I was married, and we had a great life. But um, the year that I got married to my husband, my two grandparents that raised me passed away very close to each other. So it was like compounding grief on top of the chaos that I was creating, and I was just a hot mess express. After that, I was actually diagnosed with cancer. And so um, I think, you know, I don't believe, I, I do believe that God gives us wake-up calls when we need it. That was my wake-up call. So I, um, I was at a retirement party for my boss, and he, he was a Christian. And I lived down here in Des Moines, and I worked at a bank, and I was uh, kind of high up. And... Um, I went to his retirement party, never talked to him the two years that I worked for him. And at his party, he was like, I can't drink that much because I have to go to church. And me, mm -hmm. God's like, and his wonderful sense of humor, he's like, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so because he, I'm like six drinks in and probably a couple shots and I'm making fun of my boss for going to church on a, like a Wednesday night. And God's like, mm, yeah, mm. I probably shouldn't do that. Watch what happens next. <laughs> Look out. So I came here to church. I came to Alpha um, because I was searching for something. He just kind of randomly invited you to Alpha, he right? He randomly invited me to Alpha. He had no idea that I was just diagnosed with cancer. He had no idea that I just lost my grandparents. He had no idea that, you know, he knew nothing. He just invited me to church. Hmm. How powerful is an invite hmm. to church? So I came, came to Alpha, um, was learning so much up to that point, came to the Holy Spirit retreat, and I had an encounter with Jesus. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever seen The Chosen, hmm. but the first episode with Mary and Jesus walks up to her, excuse me, <laughs> and he grabs her face and he's like, you are mine. That's me. Mm. Is that what you felt when That's you came here? That's me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. got here to hope randomly on an invite. You took this class called Alpha, which is a great starting place here at Hope. Mm -hmm. You came to this thing called the Holy Spirit Retreat, which sometimes I'm like, do we name that well or do we scare people away by calling it the like the Holy Ghost retreat, like mm -hmm. come meet Casper, <laughs> like it'll be great. <laughs> right. So you came, you took Alpha, you're at Hope. Was your life magically peaceful after that? Um, no. So <laughs> if you continue watching The Chosen, you know that Mary steps back into her old life because she really didn't, 
you know, not that she didn't take the time to change, but she still has those old things in her heart. Yeah. Those old wounds that are still there that still keep creeping up that it's just, you can't, you can't just get rid of them by thoughts and prayers. Mm. Sorry. It just doesn't happen like that. So, um, Yes, so I, I did that. I got baptized. My baptism sponsor was my boss, mm. actually. <laughs> now he's like my favorite person in the whole world, and he's like the dad that I never had. Yeah. And so, um, but all of that to say, my dad passed away from his alcohol, his disease of alcoholism in 2013. My mom passed away in January of last year. So it's been kind of compounding loss after loss after loss, but. All of that to say, after I found Jesus, um, and I was still married to my husband, I still wanted to create that chaos that was a part of my life, because it was something that felt like home, and I couldn't get rid of it. And so I um, actually cheated on my first husband, because I wanted, I was drunk at a bar, and I was grieving, and my life just felt so empty. And so I ended up cheating on my husband after I found Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of a wake-up call because I, um, in that moment, I lost my job. I lost my family. I lost not, well, I had a son. I actually ended up having a baby. But um, uh, I, I lost half custody with him. Um, I lost my home. I lost everything that I knew, all the comforts of my life, and I had absolutely nothing. But what happens? What happens when you have absolutely nothing? That's exactly the point that God steps in Hmm. every single time. Hmm. So walk us through one of my favorite quotes uh, that I've used here at Revive before. And if you've been around Revive for a while, you know I love this book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, this author, he's a pastor, his name is Pete Scazzaro, and he's written Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, all these emotionally healthy things. And he writes about how uh, he had his wake-up call after... like years of even being a pastor. And he writes, Jesus Christ was in my heart, but grandpa was in my bones. <laughs> this idea of like, it's, it's hard to undo wiring that has been installed in you for a really long time. And that even though Christ uh, comes and makes us new and uh, transforms us from the inside out, some, sometimes slash usually it's a process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen overnight. You've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, walk us through what happens next. Okay. So, uh, I get a divorce. I, I spent the next six years by myself um, trying to figure out what I did wrong in my relationship, what I could have done better, not realizing, like I went to counseling, I did all of that, and not realizing that I was never getting to the core wounds. I was never getting to the, the bottom. Trauma and darkness too. Yeah. 
Just ask my kids. So, so I was at the time after I got a divorce. I was I was healing, if you will, and I met my current husband, who I'm with now. Um, my current husband, um, I don't want to tell any of his story because that's his to tell. But um, he he has issues of his own. I was attracted to those issues. I was attracted to the chaos that he brought into my life. I was attracted to that, just to who he was, who he is, if you will. So um, I, all of that to say, um, we had a very chaotic first couple of years of marriage. And um, I, I looked at myself in the mirror one day And I also had someone, I was walking through the halls of hope and someone who I dearly love looked at me in the eye and she said, what role have you played in all of your chaos? And I looked at her and I'm like, you? (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't say that. (laughs) Because I was in here if I was outside probably. (laughs) But... Parking lot talk. Um, yeah, parking lot. <laughs> Meet me out back. So, um, you don't mess with Jen. She's a feral's instructor. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Um, but uh, so I, I looked at myself in the mirror after that, and I was like, "What role have I played in my own chaos, in my own drama?" So I went. I decided I'm going to go to Al-Anon which is a division of AA. It's for family and friends of um, people who drink in your life and, it, and people who are affected by alcohol. So um, I went to Al-Anon. I walked in the doors, and I was like, these are my people. Mm. These are for real my people. They know the chaos behind closed doors. They know the trauma. They know everything. I can say what's ever in my mind and on my heart, and I do not have to whitewash it because of the crowd that I'm around. I can be 100% authentic to who I am. Yeah. And that's what started my healing journey. And, um, yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So when you look at uh, the arc of your story and how it's gotten here and Mm -hmm. thinking about peace, has looking for peace looked the same in your life all of the time? No. It's changed. Mm-hmm. How do you look for peace now? So, um, well, I, I've been doing, um, besides Al-Anon, I've been doing um, very intensive therapy. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of EMDR, but um, I've been doing it for the last four years. Game changer for anyone who has any kind of trauma in their lives. Um, all of that to say, I used to look for peace in the bottom of a bottle, and now I look to Jesus for all of my peace. Hmm. What rhythms in your life help you look for Jesus and peace? Well, I work at a church. (laughs) (laughs) And I live here. (laughs) Real real life. Um, There's a cot in the back. (laughs) There is. Um, But real talk, um, the things that I do, um, I, I actually started a podcast 
And I absolutely love that. And that's just a little side note. Um, I wrote down podcast. Will you share just a little bit yes. about it? Yes. So um, I, I, you might not know um, Perry Ross, his wife, Carrie, and I started a podcast together and it's called Recovery Gals. And we um, are just talking about the recovery that's occurred in our lives the basis of the podcast is to just tell people stories of stories like mine, mm. stories where Jesus is the only explanation mm. because I could have easily become another statistic and probably should have, mm. Yeah. Mm. but I chose different and you can too. Will you talk a little bit about some of the boundaries that have mm. helped you? Mm-hmm. So, um, boundaries, um, at this point in my life, um, I have zero desire for chaos. So if I feel chaos around me, my boundary for myself, because boundaries are for us, my boundary for myself is I will walk away 100% of the time, every single time. It doesn't matter who the conversation's with, unless it's my children. And then I just probably yell, but no, that doesn't happen very often. Okay. So, um, but I, I seek peace everywhere I go. That's how I know God's presence is with me is his peace is upon me all the time and I can feel it. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I, I choose to not participate in anything that is going to steal my inner peace. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we had talked about was the text that we chose for the Bible reading for this week and where we kind of wanted to park a little bit. Um, there's this delightful verse that Paul writes in uh, his letter to the church in Philippi. And I want to just, before I read it out for a disclaimer, the church has often misused this verse. And so this verse has been misused against you. I would uh, just want you to know that you can take a deep breath. <laughs> We're going to talk our way through it. Um, and if you've never heard this verse or realized that it has been misused, just know going in that it has. And we're going to talk about that too. Uh, but I invite you to read the words in bold with me <clears throat> together uh, and I'll read everything. You can read the bold. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you, you will experience God's peace, which, which exceeds anything we can understand. understand. His peace will guard, guard your, your hearts, hearts and minds as you live in Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. Often this verse has been used by the church as a prescription. Like imagine a doctor writing a prescription like, okay, here, do this and then you will have peace. Pray about everything and then you will have peace. Give God all of your worries and all of your chaos and all of your problems and then you will have peace. Uh, God's peace will exceed anything that we can understand. I don't know about you, but anytime someone just tells me to have peace, uh, and expect that to work, like I kind of just want to punch them. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way, right? Like telling somebody to just be less, less anxious. Like can't you just, you struggle with anxiety, but can't you just like be less anxious? Like does that help your anxiety at all? No. <laughs> Thank you, Elian. Yeah, no. Uh, and so this is not a prescription for Paul to the church. Like, hey, just give God all your worries and then you'll have peace. Like that sounds like a nice idea, but that's not what Paul is writing about here. I'd like to go backwards through this verse. We're going to look at the end, and then we'll back our way up. What's that last phrase in bold? It says, live in Christ Jesus. That as Jen described in her story, this like being invited to Alpha, just coming to church. And through that process, 
which was a process, like years and years and still is, right? This process of what does it look like to live with Jesus? What does it look like to pursue peace? What does it look like to open yourself to healing and to consider the question that that asked you in the church hallways Mm -hmm. of like, what are you doing to contribute to the chaos in your life? As we live in Jesus, these are the questions that come. These are the, the places where we are open to healing. So when we live in Christ Jesus, Jesus' peace will guard our hearts. And as we live in Christ Jesus and his peace guards our hearts, our hearts, we find ourselves experiencing this sense of peace that doesn't really make sense in the face of a lot of things. And then from that place, we tell God what we need. We thank God for what he has done. And it leads us into this place of, of opening into this mystery of God's peace that gets extended to us. When we look at this verse and see it as like, you do this and then this, that's works righteousness. That's I will work my way into the righteousness of God and that's not how this works at all. Uh, do you have anything else you wanna add about this? I, I would say w- with this particular verse, one thing that I do with Bible verses is I take out you and I put my name in. Hmm. Um, it makes it all that more personal for me. Mm-hmm. Do you do that with this verse? All the time. Will you read it with your name in it? Yeah. Uh, tell God what Jen needs and thank him for all he has done. Then Jen will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard Jen's heart and mind as Jen lives in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's really lovely. I, this verse takes me back to... Uh, the girl you hadn't, you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party because Time out. I was yes. hoping that that wasn't uh, like the preface to our conversation tonight because I didn't want to be that girl. Jen, you are not the. If any, if anything, and I'm at a party with you, you are the girl I would like to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That'd be really fun. <laughs> But I feel like the way that we often use this verse as like a do this and then this is like the girl that you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at the party because it, it, I feel like she would just tell you to just pray about it, just uh, bring all your worries and your cares to God and then everything will be just fine. And so Jesus actually talks about this. This is one of my absolute favorite verses in all of scripture. Jesus says this in the last kind of message that Jesus gives his disciples on the last night of his life before he was arrested and betrayed by somebody that he loved by one of his really close friends in his inner circle. And then the rest of the story, if you're familiar with the Easter story, continues where he is arrested, he is on trial unfairly, people say lies about him in court, uh, and then he is killed and then he comes back to life. Uh, But on the last night of Jesus' life, he says this to his disciples. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. This gift is peace of mind and heart. Now, he knows what they are about to endure, and he knows what he's about to endure, and he still says this. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Again, not a prescription, but a description of what happens when we open ourselves up to this gift that God has for us, this gift of peace. 
And so there's so many ways that we search for substitutes for peace. We talked about, I talked about this at the beginning. You talked a lot about the substitutes for peace that you pursued in your life, even looking for chaos mm -hmm. as a source of peace because that's what was familiar to you. And so the thing is that Jesus gives us this peace that doesn't make any sense, that you can be in chaos. You don't have to, to get rid of all of the chaos in your life and then experience peace. God's peace can come to you, especially in the middle of unknowns in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of big questions, in the middle of questioning God's love for you or existence or God's presence in your life. The series is about when God's spirit shows up. And we so often like to focus, sometimes especially around the church, about the sexy ways that God shows up in like signs and wonders and miracles and healings and audible voices from the sky and heavens parting and angels going, ah. and I don't, I've never, like I don't see those things happen on a daily basis, right? But God's spirit does show up in beautiful, subtle, transformative ways that we so often miss because we're looking for something big. God shows up in love. God shows up by bringing joy. God shows up by bringing peace where we shouldn't be able to feel peace because of the things that uh, are happening in our lives. And the thing that Jesus is talking about with this peace is it's not just like a momentary peace. There is momentary peace. But because of Jesus' life and death, and resurrection, Jesus has made peace between all of us and God for all of eternity. That, that we have peace with God so we don't have to strive for acceptance with God. We don't have to try to control our situation with God. We don't have to have a victim mentality of like, well, I just can't do anything, well, whatever. Like all of these things that we do in our life that are substitutes for peace, we don't have to bring to God because Jesus has made us, Jesus has made peace with us and God. Jesus has stepped into the gap, the places where chaos should exist, and has made peace, and has made peace for you and for me, and has sewn all of it back together. You mean, no, okay. I okay. think you guys are absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yeah, okay. So this thing about peace that I kind of want to close with as we think about where God's spirit shows up in our life and where God's spirit brings peace, maybe you resonate with Jen's story. Maybe there's some parts of Jen's story that you really seriously identify with or can see yourself in. Maybe there's parts of Jen's story specifically in the details where you're like, that's very foreign to me, but the essence of seeking peace and not being able to find peace feel very familiar. Um, also, I would like to just say one thing. If you are triggered by anything that I said tonight, just make sure to meet with one of our prayer partners. I think it's really important that um, you talk through those things. So, and yeah. then you, if you need more in-depth care, we have our, also have our care team. So, sorry. Well said. Thank you. But yeah, this, when we look at Jesus's peace, like, what does it mean that Jesus brings us peace? What does it, does it mean that Jesus is our peace? Does it mean that in moments of stress, we can suddenly feel like peace and like whoosh, all the stress leaves our body? Yes. But also, biblically speaking, when we understand what peace is, there's this word shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom. Say it like you know Hebrew. <laughs> shalom. <laughs> you just say it the same way. <laughs> um, shalom is this beautiful Hebrew word that is translated as peace. And it doesn't just mean an absence of chaos. Shalom means there is a presence of wholeness. There is a presence of togetherness. It's not just an absence of the things that are stressors in your life or the chaos in your life. It actually means that things have been brought back together in ways that are good and right and holy and powerful. And that is the peace that Jesus brings to you. 
And that is the peace that Jesus brings to me. You don't have to have anything to get this peace. You don't have to do anything to get this peace. You don't have to be anyone to get this peace. You could lay horizontal asleep for the rest of your life and God would want to give you this peace. And so I invite you to to consider if this is the peace of God, if this is the gift of God, this shalom wholeness, how would experiencing this shift your priorities? How would experiencing God's peace bring health into your relationships? How would it make you a healthier person? How would your wounds begin to get healed if you asked God for this kind of peace? And so I invite you, we're going to close a little prayer exercise before we worship again. Um, And so if you want to close your eyes, I invite you to, if that's going to be a weird thing for you, you don't have to. But rather than just talking about peace, we're going to ask God for peace. And we're also going to just pray in the quietness of our hearts and in the silence of our minds about the places where we add to our lack of peace. What did the gal in the hallway say to you? She asked you, Jen, how are you Uh, contributing? uh Uh-huh. How are you contributing to the chaos in your life? Yeah, yeah. And then I had a couple choice words after. (laughs) You can have choice (laughs) words with God in the silence of your hearts. Please don't yell them in the chapel. (laughs) (laughs) Take it out to the parking lot. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But I encourage you to just be honest with God. Be real. No one's like reading your mind here. God knows. God is excited to hear from you. God does not look at you with judgment. God looks at you with love. God is excited to hear from you. So I invite you to to just join all of us uh, together, whether you're at home, listening to the podcast, or here. Let's lift our hearts and our minds to God. God, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your peace. We thank you that you bring us the kind of peace that doesn't make sense and the kind of peace that, that surpasses any of our weird situations. God, we thank you that you make peace on our behalf, that you create peace where we leave chaos in our wake, that you sew together things that we have torn apart, that you make things right in ways that only you can. And so God, I ask that you would just, that your spirit would come. We sang earlier, (laughs) pour your spirit out. God, we ask that your spirit would come and that you would bring to mind in the quietness of our hearts and in your love, not in any sense of judgment or the voice of the girl we wish we hadn't started a conversation with at the party, but in your love and in your gentleness, God, would you show us places where we hang on to substitutes for peace? Would you show us the places in our life where we cling to unhealth? Would you show us the places in our life where we hang on to a victim mentality that it's, ever, it's on everybody else, it's not on us. And so Revive, as we continue praying, I invite you to, in your mind's eye, with your eyes closed, imagine all those things that you've just thought through. Imagine holding them out in your hand, in one hand. And I don't know what a sense of openness to peace looks or feels like to you, but I imagine you to invite a sense of openness in your heart to God's peace. Whether that's a door in your mind or on your heart that kind of cracks open, whether that's you standing tall and looking God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus in the eyes, (laughs) 
Whatever a sense of openness feels like to you, I invite you to, to hold these things that you've just been thinking about, to assume a, a spiritual posture of openness, and to then in the quietness of your mind ask God, God, if I give you these things, if I give this stuff to you, what do you have for me in return? God, we ask for your peace. Your peace that comes in the middle of chaos. Your peace that comes as we live with you. The peace that comes from knowing that you have made us right with you. That your love for us is unboundaried. It's perfect. It's pure. It's whole. And the peace that you send with your love is all-encompassing if we let it be that. God, help us to give these things to you that we hang on to that are substitutes for peace. God, I ask that for every single person who is here, who's watching online, who's listening, that they would experience even 5% of the peace that you have to give. God, I ask that, that we would become such people of your peace that we become a non-anxious presence in every stressful situation that we're in that we see where chaos is stirring and we can identify how we can bring your peace into those situations, how we can knit things back together that shouldn't be able to be knit back together because of the power that comes with your, pre your peace and your presence. And God, show us how we need that peace from you first. God, transform us with your peace, transform us with your love. God, we ask for a sense of openness to where you're working in our lives, where your spirit is appearing and where your spirit is bringing peace. We love this. We love you and we ask all of this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.